Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 25th day of June 2016. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from, well, my hotel in Waltham, Massachusetts, just down the Mass Pike from Fenway Park, the home of the Boston Red Sox. Yes, the Sully Baseball Sentimental Tour continues as I'm here in the East Coast traveling, reliving my life. Um, My life needs to be relived, but that doesn't mean that the podcast has to stop and the machinations of the podcast needs to grind to a halt. And I'm going to do the Sunday request today. Now, this Sunday request comes from someone who is a regular listener. I think I've done a Sunday request or two or three from him, maybe. Uh, It goes by the name of Werner Herzog's Bear. Uh, I'll leave the Twitter link on sullybaseball.com and also on mlbreports.com. Hey, isn't that cool? Um, This is what he wrote to me, Sully Baseball. Question inspired by today's episode. Uh, uh, He's referring to the episode where I gave retroactively Cy Young Awards to... uh, to pitchers on the year where they only gave out one. There was a period where only one Cy Young Award was awarded and it was either an American League or a National League pitcher. And I just retroactively said, well, what if the other league was awarded? That was a few days ago. I don't remember which day. I'm going to move on. Uh, inspired by today's episode, should Nolan Ryan have won the Cy Young in 1987? 8 and 16 but led the leagues in Ks and strikeouts. Now, I think I have addressed this before, but I'm glad you're bringing it up because I can go on a slightly deeper dive. There, your pal Sully is not really a sabermetrics guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm also not someone who is so beholden to traditional stats. For example, uh, I, I, to this day, I don't understand how war is calculated. I think it's an interesting statistic in terms of I tend to agree with its findings, and yet I have no idea how they got to that number. If they said, you know, someone said Albert Pujols is about to have such and such career war, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, how do we know when he passes that? Which is one of the reasons why things like hits, home runs, uh, runs bad in, stolen bases, things that are very tangible, have a great, uh, uh, resonate more with fans because it's less of an intellectual exercise. I understand that war has a lot of value to people and a lot of value to evaluators. And quite frankly, I don't want my general manager counting RBIs. I don't want my general manager looking at saves. I don't want my general manager looking at wins. Those are not good metrics. You know, someone the other day let up a two-run home run in the ninth, but it was a three-run lead, and so it cut it to a one-run lead, and he got the final out and got a save out of it. If you let up a home run and two runs in an inning, you should not be able to make that a positive outing for you. Uh, but the Nolan Ryan, it's interesting that you asked about Nolan Ryan 
and his 1987 season. 1987 was the last year I lived in Massachusetts before we moved to California. We, we moved during the summer of 1987, so I finished my ninth grade in Massachusetts, and by 10th grade, I was in Palo Alto. But, so, the, so 87 is kind of a strange transition year for your pal Sully, both in his life, and, and also, at that point, I was coming off of the Red Sox World Series in 1986, and I you know, blossomed as a baseball fan. I was always a baseball fan, but I really became super intense about it at that point. Now, it also was that year, 87 was a year, where I began the process of looking at baseball and analyzing baseball in a much clearer and a much more intense way. And Nolan Ryan's 1987 was a big, big part of it. Now, if you remember, and I know I do, that year, the Cy Young was a strange Cy Young year. And the, you know, we're coming off of years where we had people like, you know, Dwight Gooden or Mike Scott, who looked like absolute can't miss Cy Young and, you know, can't miss Cy Young arguments. And in 1988, you had uh, Oral Hershiser have his wonderful season that he had. Although I've had some sabermetrics people say to me that actually Danny Jackson was better at that point. I said, I, I can't quite wrap my arms around it. I don't quite get it yet. But I remember looking at the Cy Young of 1987. You didn't have that one standout year the way that Saberhagen did and the way that Gooden did, the way that Clemens did in 86 and 87. The National League did not have that one pitcher. You looked at, oh, man, things are, this is just intense. This is too good to be true. Now, the winner of the Cy Young Award that year was Steve Bedrosian. Steve Bedrosian, and, and this is an example, I think, big time, of the tyranny of the save and what the save meant back then. Now, he pitched 65 games and threw 89 innings, which means that he pitched, you know, usually an out more than an inning, you know, probably an inning and a third per outing for him. This is before Tony La Russa completely reinvented the closer position as one inning and out. Bedrosian had a fine year, five and three, but you know it's ridiculous to look at the record as a uh, uh, as a relief pitcher. But you know this is how it was looked upon. He had this forty saves, struck out the seventy four batters, walked only twenty eight. But the forty saves and the good ERA, not even the microscopic two point eight three. I mean that's a good ERA. It's not. It's not like he's had a bad year, but he was. <laughs> Let me just put it mildly, it was not the type of year that you're going to bounce your child on your knee and say, oh, I remember when Steve Bedrosian came out and and shut down the door, and that was, oh, my goodness, we all remember where we were and what we were doing. Well, interesting thing. I used to, I was really following the National League that year a lot closer than I ever had in my life. A, because... What happened in 86 invigorated me beyond, beyond reproach. But also, we're moving to a city that had a National League team. 
Palo Alto is right down the street from the San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Giants won the division in 1987. And so I was following the National League pretty closely. And I saw Nolan Ryan's year. He went 8-16. and 16. And by all the measures that you went by in the past and that I had gone by, because I was how old? I was 15 years old. And I did what everyone else did, which is you look at the win-loss record, and that's how good you are as a pitcher. If you're a 20-game winner, you're great. If you're a 20-game loser, you're terrible. But that year made me think, wait a minute. He's 8-16, and 16, which by all accounts is not a good year. But he led the league in strikeouts, okay? He led the league in earned run average. And I didn't realize it, but he also led the league in FIP, ERA+, plus, strikeouts per nine innings, and strikeouts per walk ratio. He had all of these traits. If you look across his line in BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, for his year in 1987, he had a terrific year. He had an absolutely terrific year. And he was you know, not just the earned run average and the strikeouts, but there were other sabermetric categories as well, which he did quite well and I don't quite understand. And so I remember... Th- thinking also, I thought about poor Harvey Haddix. Harvey Haddix, in 1959, threw 12 inning, a 12-inning perfect game for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it was no score. He let up a run in the 13th inning and got the loss. Wow, wait a minute. He got the loss. He let up one hit over 13 innings. Let up one run over 13 innings. Put together one of the most dominant performance, if not the most dominant performance in the history of baseball, and got a loss. So I'm supposed to look at that as a bad game. And I'm supposed to look at Nolan Ryan. Nobody strikes out more than him. No one gives up fewer runs than him in the National League as a pitcher. But I was looking and said, well, but he's not good because of his record. And that didn't make sense to me. 15-year-old Paul Sullivan, leaving Massachusetts, landing in California, getting to know the National League, looking at it, and I thought, he, he, he may deserve it. He may deserve the Cy Young Award. There was a, uh, a show at the time. See, in 87, there was no Internet. There, wasn't, there were no websites, and ESPN was still kind of in its infancy in terms of how it was presenting sports. And there was a show that my brother and I used to love starring Todd Donahoe called Time Out for Trivia. And I don't know if it was national or not. may have been local in California. may not have been. I don't know. But people called in and tried to answer trivia questions, and Todd Donahoe, the host, was absolutely hilarious. I may have to find him and get him on the show. And they would also ask questions as well. And someone asked him, don't you think that Nolan Ryan deserves the Cy Young Award? And as great as Todd Donahoe was, he out and out dismissed it, saying, he's 8 and 16. How great can you be if you're 8 and 16? But that really sort of, it stuck in my craw. Like, whoa, wait a second. He pitched great. And there are elements of his, of his year that were, it wasn't his fault. I'm in Boston. I can say, you know, I can pull a, a Goodwill Hunting and say it's not your fault. But I got his, his lines here. 
there's a game where he um let me just let me just bring up some of his games here um here's a game where he pitched nine innings let, struck out eleven walked one let up one run result no decision loss so he doesn't get a win or anything from that day uh here's a here's a loss for him seven innings two runs ten strikeouts loss here's another one Seven innings, nine strikeouts, one run, loss. Seven innings, ten innings, uh, seven, I'm sorry, seven innings, ten strikeouts, one walk, two runs, loss. I mean, this is, you're looking at him and going like, in, in his games, he had uh, 12 games where he struck out double-digit numbers. Double digits. And his personal record, in those games where he struck out double digits were, let's see, one, two, three, four, it was four and four. In the games where he, in the, twi- and that four and four, which means that there was, uh, uh, how many, there's the no decisions there as well. He's had three no decisions as well. So he, that's break even on games where he struck out in the double digits. And never walked, never in any of those games. There was no double digit walks, or like he only pitched. The only game he pitched badly in the bunch was a game against the Giants in June, where he let up eight runs in five innings, still struck out eleven along the way. And then you take a look at some of his games, where I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go back up here, and there's games where he let up one run, loss, one run, loss, no runs. Uh, no decision. I mean, throughout this year, he had games where he just pitched superbly. And yet, the team itself, which was coming off of a playoff appearance and coming off a time where they probably could have gone to the World Series if they got one more hit there, one more hit there. You know, they, they had... Glenn Davis was the only slugger on the team, the only regular player with an OPS above eight was Alan Ashby, who was hardly a world beater. No one, no one said, oh, man, what, what you, whatever you do, don't let Alan Ashby beat you. No offense. But they had, you know, they, they seemed to have on paper Bill Doran, Jose Cruz, Billy Hatcher, Kevin Bass. They couldn't get hits. They couldn't get hits. They couldn't score for Nolan Ryan. And so you take a look at how the awards ballots went that year. Bedrosian won the Cy Young Award just barely ahead of Rick Sutcliffe. Now, Rick Sutcliffe had the kind of Cy Young season that really impressed voters back then. 18 wins, um, 237 innings, not a huge strikeout total, an okay ERA. But they would have salivated those 18 wins. Now, according to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, if you take a look at war for pitchers, I'm looking at this strictly as how would the sabermetricians figure this out? They would have given it to Bob Welch. And in fact, Nolan Ryan, with his year, doesn't crack the top, fo- uh, the top four of National League pitchers because you also would have Oral Hershiser, you also have uh, uh, Rick Sutcliffe. And again, it shows me I don't understand how war works.
because I look at Bob Welch's year, and do does he surpass Nolan Ryan in any category? I mean, I mean, not in the traditional categories. Certainly not in strikeouts. Certainly not in earned run average. I mean, he doesn't lead the league in any category, uh, save for shutouts. I'm not putting anything down. Bob Welch had a wonderful year. But it just goes, it goes to show that there's an element that I was ahead of the curve, understanding that perhaps the traditional numbers are not the best metrics. And yet there are still some things that I'm behind the proverbial curve for. And then I can say, do you know what? I just don't, I don't get why Welch in that year, which is a fine year he had for L.A., uh, I don't get why that was in terms of this metric that I don't understand how it's calculated is the one that I'm supposed to be pointing at and go, yes, got it. Perfect. Understood. Of course, going back to Welch, Welch would eventually win a Cy Young Award in 1990, a year where he didn't crack the top 10 in war for, for baseball. In fact, he would have been the, I think he was like 10th. I don't know, he was 11th. And, that's, that's, and he won the Cy Young Award that year. So maybe, I don't know, does war take into calculations winning an award when you don't get it, when you don't deserve it? I don't know. But that year for Nolan Ryan was the year was kind of like, this bothers me. It's like, it's that feeling that scientists have in the lab when they go, hmm, this experiment, there's an element to this experiment that isn't following the way I thought it would. There's an element to this experiment that doesn't quite make sense. Hmm. I wonder why. And that's what causes people to continue their experimentation, to continue to poke at stuff and realize that perhaps the way they saw the world was not a 100% accurate representation of the world. And that was me. It's so funny that you bring up that Nolan Ryan year because that was an aha moment. And I don't mean take on me and jumping into a comic book. I mean that it was that sense of there might be a different way of looking at baseball. And that young Paul Sullivan started figuring it out and started looking at the game slightly differently. And that led me to the infallible statistic that is, who owns baseball. So thanks, Werner Herzog's Bear. And if you have something you want me to talk about, uh, send it to me via the Sunday request on Twitter at Sully Baseball. Go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of Who Owns Baseball. Uh, you can go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. Um, on Instagram, my handle is Sully Baseball Podcast. Uh, I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. From my hotel in Waltham, Massachusetts. Just down the street from Fenway Park, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.